Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning. And as you're turning there, let me remind you that this is the last message in a series of messages entitled Citizenship. And we've been talking about what it means that our citizenship is not here on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. And our key verse has been Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. I've actually encouraged you to memorize this passage of Scripture over the last few weeks. So we began the first Sunday in March. Here we are, the fifth Sunday in March. Now, hopefully at this point you've, you've dedicated yourself to memorizing Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, but if not, uh, I would encourage you to read it along with me. I'm using the English Standard Version as I'm uh, reading and memorizing this verse. Uh, but you can memorize it in whatever translation you are used to and comfortable with. Now, would you write where you're at? I know we're sitting in a living room together. Uh, but would you read this passage out loud with me? Philippians 3 verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we've been studying this message, I don't think that it's an accident that it was in the month of March that we decided to pursue a message on citizenship. God has put on the heart of our church that our current circumstances are temporary. This is not our home, but instead our citizenship belongs in the eternal heaven. And we eagerly await Jesus Christ to come back. In this series, we've talked about in general what it means that our citizenship is not here on earth, but it's in heaven. And we've talked about what that means and how it impacts things like our relationships and our possessions, how it impacts uh, last week our suffering. And this week, as we study citizenship together, we're going to be looking at what it means that our citizenship is in heaven in relation to our purpose. In relationship to our purpose. God has a specific plan for each one of us. God has a specific plan for you. And as we study scripture together, we often scratch our heads and wonder why our life is unfolding the way it is. Lord, why is it that we are suffering? Why is it that we struggle in relationships? Why is it that we have a hard time in this life? If your plan is good and perfect, why are we living the way we're living? And I think it's important that we understand that our citizenship, our circumstances are temporary and that impacts how we carry out God's will in our lives. We're going to read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 here in just a second. But as we do, I want to share with you, there were many other places we could have gone this morning. Really, my, my first inclination was to go to the, the Great Commission, right? To, to talk about how God's plan for our life is to share the gospel with everyone, to make disciples of all nations. And God has a specific plan and purpose for us. And I think that's a great place to go. And I want to tell you that is God's plan and purpose for you. But I also must tell you that, that as a temporary citizen of earth, I struggle with that because there are so many other things that catch my attention. 
We're going to read this morning in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. A letter that Paul is writing to a companion of his, a disciple of his, someone he's trained up, and he's going to share all of these distractions and fears that have come about. And yet he's going to give us a promise to to hold tight because God is greater than our current situations. Let's read together 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus the Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, Through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appealing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me. Faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted in you. As Paul begins his letter to his dear friend Timothy. He writes to him with purpose. Have faith. Enjoy the power of God because there is a gospel that needs to be proclaimed. I think we understand in general what the purpose of God is for our life. We know as we study scripture that God's desire is that we would make his name known to anyone and everyone who would listen. Our plan that God has for us, our purpose, is not temporary, live this life and do these things, but it's eternal. Invest in the relationships that will last forever. And so as we read this charge from Paul to Timothy, it's important for us to understand the context and even now apply that context to our own lives. I understand very clearly as I read this passage just how desperate Paul is to share this message. 
As you read through the New Testament, if you were to put the letters of Paul in chronological order, you would find 2 Timothy at the very end of chronology. As a matter of fact, as Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, he is writing sitting in the final jail cell that he will sit in. He is possibly days away from not his potential death, but his actual death. Days, maybe weeks, maybe months, and some people even think years, but he is not leaving this prison except in execution. And he's very aware of that. As he's writing, these are his final words to a dear friend and a disciple. And I think it's important that we realize that Paul's words are left as a a final exhortation. If there's one last thing I can tell you, it's this. I feel very, very intertwined with Paul's opening words in this letter. As a matter of fact, as I was reading and preparing this message, I can't help but think that I'm staring at you through a screen instead of face to face. I tell you, it's not easy. I don't dare put myself in Paul's shoes. I, I'm not a, a days away from my execution, but I do feel a longing to be with my church family. So as I read verses 3 and 4 especially, they, they have a new meaning for me today. I, I think I'm saying these words to you. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. As I put myself in Paul's shoes, I I feel like even at a distance, there's a message that I, I feel God wants us to hear. I know God is speaking through Paul, through the words that have been written to Timothy, so that you and I can understand what our purpose is. Paul's situation may be more dire than ours, but it is very similar in that there are things still to be done. So as we study what God's purpose is for our lives, I want to focus on on two important statements that we can pull out of this passage. The first statement is a warning. It's something to avoid. If you are taking notes, I want you to write this down. Fear thwarts our pursuit of God's purpose in our lives. Let me say that again. Fear thwarts our pursuit of God's purpose in our lives lives. There are so many distractions that can keep us from doing what God wants us to do, but I don't think any of them grab a hold of us quite like fear. We have an understanding that that God wants something great from us, but it comes at a great personal price. And we're afraid of what a life-following God might look like. Paul certainly shares with us within this context several ways that people may be afraid. The first is is this fear of suffering. Look in verse 
8 with me. It says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We didn't read these passages, but later on, if you want to read verses 15 and following, Paul continues to talk about his suffering and how many have abandoned him and left him, and he feels alone. For you and I, I think suffering is a major fear. Not so much the question of, if I follow Christ, will I suffer? But as we study Scripture, it's this realization That to follow Christ means, yes, I will suffer. Paul begs Timothy, not just to to acknowledge suffering, but verse 8, to share in the suffering. Last week, we talked about what our suffering looks like in light of eternity. And if if you weren't with us last week, I would encourage you to listen to that, that message. Following Christ following his purpose, pursuing God's will in our lives, always, always brings a temporary suffering. I've struggled with why this is, because Jesus tells us specifically, if you are to follow me, you you will suffer. You'll suffer many things, he says, for my name. Why, Lord? Why, if we follow you, can it be easy? Why can't you give us a blessed life now? And I think I know why it is. In part, because the world is at odds with our faith. And so there is pushback against what we believe. But I think just as much as the pushback from culture and the pushback from the world, I think just as much as this. When we understand and start to study God's word, And we learn about what eternity with God is. Then everything else that we endure in life feels miserable and is suffering. Even the joys of this life are nothing compared to the eternal joys of our citizenship in heaven. So yes, to follow Christ means means a realization more and more that we suffer for him, that we struggle through this life, that what we live in now is not what we're ultimately meant to be. And we have a great fear that if we follow God's will, we will suffer. A second fear that that Paul acknowledges in this passage is a, a separation I shared with you that verses 15 and following talk about how many have abandoned him. Many others have have left not in abandonment, but there's work to be done. And Paul is sitting alone. As he's writing to Timothy in this, uh, this letter, he's actually going to ask him to come and visit. Would you please make a trip from your church in Ephesus in what is now uh, Turkey? Would you please make the journey to Rome? Bring some paper and some pens and some supplies. I'm running low, but I feel alone and I need somebody. This fear of separation often often keeps us from following God's, uh, God's will. The separation occurs in times of our, our current context because we're not physically together. 
But I don't think that's the separation that Paul is talking about. The separation that Paul is talking about is what Jesus said when in the gospel he talks about how faith in him divides families. How trusting and following Christ often brings about a breaking of earthly relationships. You know, to pursue God's will may be against the will and wishes of family and friends and people you love and care about. I'll be honest, this fear of separation is what keeps me from sharing the gospel with family members that I love. I care deeply about them, and yet I'm afraid. My personal convictions are overruled because I'm so scared that it will drive a wedge and cause a separation. And that I'll be sitting like Paul, maybe not completely abandoned, but the people who I love and care about will no longer talk or care about me. Our fear thwarts our pursuit of God's purpose in our lives through, through a fear of suffering, a fear of separation. And that leads to this third fear that, that Paul wants us to overcome, and that is a fear of sharing. And that really is the purpose that God has for us, that we would share the gospel message with others. Look in verses 8 through 10. After verse 7 is such a, a powerful verse about the spirit of, of power through God's strength. We read in verse 8 why we have this spirit of power, love, and self-control. 8, 9, and 10 say, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul says, you have a spirit of power, and this is what you're to use it for. You're to use it for the salvation you've received and the proclamation, the testimony of that salvation to others. And then Paul powerfully shares the gospel with Timothy. Timothy's a believer. He certainly knows this. It's a reminder. This is why we do what we do. We have the power of the Spirit to spread the gospel because He saved us, not because of our works, but because of His grace. Not because of what we've done, but because of His purpose. We are, are implored and begged to set aside our fear. These fears are temporary, but the relationships that are built by sharing the gospel are eternal. Paul warns us that our fears thwart our pursuit of God's purpose in our lives. And so he gives us a powerful verse. And the next statement that I want you to write down is this. God gives strength to overcome fear and fulfill God's plan. Let me say that again. God gives strength to overcome fear and fulfill God's plan. Verse 7. Oh, verse 7 is such a powerful verse. 
after talking about many of the the fears that he has, the separation that he has. And and as he talks about the, the reminding of the gospel, Paul pauses in verse 7 to tell Timothy, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Think about those words for just a minute. But we've highlighted a few fears that Paul may have. We've highlighted a few fears that you may have. And maybe there are other fears, things you're nervous about, worried about, that keep you from following the purpose of God. Every time I hear one of those fears, I hope that I'm reminded of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God gave us a spirit not of fear. We do not have to be afraid of anything this world would throw at us. No, God gives us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control, a spirit that allows us to accomplish His purpose. Very briefly, as we think of the fears that Paul may have experienced, we're reminded through verse 7 that God not only gives us comfort in our suffering, He gives us strength to overcome our sufferings. The hardships we endure that we're so afraid of, God is able to overcome. As we think about the separation that Paul is experiencing, many of us are experiencing now, and in our faith, many of us will experience in our relationships, we're reminded that God gives us a unity in spirit. The separation is temporary. But the unity we have through faith in Christ is eternal. And finally, I think the best application of verse 7 is that God gives us a boldness in evangelism. When we're afraid to share our faith because of the suffering or the separation it may bring about, because of the rejection we may experience, because of the the pushback we may hear. It is the Spirit of God who gives us not a spirit of fear, but one of power, one of love, self-control, or or discipline. Gives us the will and the ability to pursue God's plan in our lives. As we think about being citizens of heaven versus citizens of earth, we understand that our fears are temporary. The situation that we're in right now is temporary. God has something so much better for us. God has something so much better for you. Maybe this morning you're you're sitting in your living room or or wherever you're viewing this and you're you're wondering you're wondering if you could ever overcome the fears in your life. God, if I submit to you, I don't know what that would do with the people around me. God, if I followed your plan for my life, I don't know how that would, how that would cause me to suffer. Right where you're at, can I promise you that the temporary fears you experience now are just that? Scripture tells us clearly, the gospel shared with us in verses 8 through 10, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior from our sins, to forgive us of the wrong that we do. And secondly, as the Lord of our life, the one who gives us purpose and tells us how to live. 
we will one day experience that eternal joy, that perfect relationship. Let me ask, would you pursue God's will for your life today? Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing God. Lord, in spite of all the fears that we have, and Lord, they are many, in spite of all the worries and anxieties we experience, you are good. Lord, I confess to you, I confess that there are fears that thwart my ability to pursue your plan in my life. And Lord, I ask that you would give me power through your spirit to overcome that fear and to faithfully share the gospel with others. Lord, if there are those right now who are fearful to turn their life over to you, let them cling to this promise that you have a plan for them so much better than the life they're currently living. Forgive us, Lord, for focusing on the here and now and being so worried and fearful about our circumstances. Give us your power through your spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.